Welcome to the 41st episode of the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens, and with me as always... Colin Smith, and you mean episode 37, part 4. Part 4B. Part 4B. Yeah, Yeah. Roman numeral 3, small letter A. The New Hope. Uh, We we have a special guest this week. Um, We... On, on the Midnight Film Review Dime, we flew her out to Comic-Con, <laughs> and she's here to uh, to report back to us. Uh, Marsha, why don't you introduce yourself and say hello to everybody? Hey, everybody. I'm glad to be on the show. Um, I'm Marsha Shulman, and I'm all ready to tell you about my fourth Comic-Con experience. Four. So you've been going for four years. Rate them in order, one through four. <laughs> Um, this year was probably the best. It probably goes down from there. Last year was probably number two. Um, I skipped a year. So 2013 and 12 kind of tie for third and fourth. Um, is this recency bias? Is that why this year was the best? I, I, I partially recency, um, just got exposed to a lot more kind of inside information and kind of the more that I go, the more I understand how the process works and how to, how to see what you really want to see and how to get what you really want to get. All right. So give us an insider's look at a, the normal day at Comic-Con. Cause all we, I mean, all I ever hear is. Didn't finish what? T- talking about the show. Are we? Oh, well, yeah. well no, I guess okay. not. Uh, Eventually we might review a movie or something. I don't know. There's some Star Trek <laughs> thing or whatever that oh, came yeah. out. But, yeah. Okay. Sorry for derailing. <laughs> oh, here. and we're also going to read some uh, iTunes reviews. Read some iTunes reviews. Yeah. Not as good as emails. You guys, you know, our, th- our three hardened veterans, their fingers were weary this week. Yeah. And they didn't, didn't get any emails our way. But, uh, you know, you can be... You can... You can be the one. You can make a difference. Unlike any other aspect of your life or <laughs> you can, politics or anything else you feel disenfranchised about. We'll read, we'll read your email. I'm a horrible host, by the way, so, I, so I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, to be fair, I, I, uh, I passed off my hosting duties to you, so it's, re- it's really my fault no yeah. matter how, how you look at it. We were intimidated by uh, the star power on the show today. Yeah. By our, 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 spe- guest our special Midnight Film Review correspondent. Uh, so midnightfilmreview at gmail.com that's a thing send us an email blah 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 uh, back <laughs> back to comic con coverage <laughs> alright so uh, normally when you hear about comic con or at least in the podcasts I listen to a lot of them are sent there and they're reporting <clears throat> they have money to spend so th- they have the ability to get into Hall H pretty freely um, tell us about the life of a normal layman somebody who just hops in off the street and goes to comic-con um well it's definitely hard to hop off the street and go to (laughs) comic-con you know badges are so hard to come by anymore but fortunately i volunteer so it's a little bit easier for me to get into comic-con um yeah hall h is a beast it's people line up for days. Like they'll spend two hundred and fifty dollars on a badge just in line for two days to see the Marvel panel. And I'm the kind of person that I would rather watch the footage when they release it and I don't want to waste my Comic Con sitting in line. So 
you know, I, I hit the small stuff that you're not going to see a lot of coverage on and, and, and see previews before they're, before they come out and, and, you know, good panels with great writers and actors and, you know, even some journalists and get way more of an experience than sitting in line all day. Um, so last year there was that the big to do about the the Star Wars march. Do you I, I, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? So yep. was 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 there anything that like that this year? Like the, the, anything that um like kind of outshined the actual Comic Con itself? Yeah, I think um I think that Sony tried to bring it and and talk top Star Wars from last year. Um, they did a big giveaway with a, a screening, like a private screening to Star Trek, which is what you guys are going to review today. Um, it was off-site. It was outside. It was with a live orchestra. They oh, wow. Swag. Um, and from, we didn't win tickets, but from talking to people who were there and versus Star Wars from last year, they liked it better. Um, the Star Wars you know, thing last year, they sat through the panel and then they marched everybody off to an off-site place to, uh, to watch the movie. This year it was kind of planned a little bit better and they really liked it. I think that was the big thing. Um, you know, as, as opposed to movies, Conan O'Brien has a huge presence at Comic-Con now, which to me seems weird. <laughs> um, but people, that's another thing that people kind of line up for, for a day to get a free ticket or a free free Funko Pop for a screening just to see a you know Conan O'Brien show with stars at one of the panels from Comic-Con. I, so I think those are the two big highlights this year. I feel like the only way that the that Star Trek special giveaway could be better than Star Wars is if Chris Pine gives you a lap dance and then lets you take body shots <laughs> off of him at the end of the screening. Um, yeah, so so Conan is a, a weird, giant, pale nerd. Did you uh, did you get to see him in costume this year? Uh, I'm, I'm sure there was a bunch of talk about his, his costume fitting and was, you know, he's he likes to, to make a big splash and nerd it up there. Yeah, the, uh, all of the cosplays were pretty, um, you know, pretty much off the rails. Every year they kind of, they, they top themselves up. Um, if you're walking the floor, though, you might run into a star and not know it because they kind of throw on like a Kmart mask and walk the floor. So it's kind of hard to, you know, you might run into someone that is more famous than anyone you've ever met and you don't know it's them. Oh, no, so Conan actually had a super Conan suit designed for Comic-Con this year that he was wearing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, and he was kind of out out doing some signings with it, and no one knew if it was really him. Yeah, <laughs> <We> saw that. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, what, what were some of your favorite things that you saw at, at Comic-Con? Anybody that you... Uh, any panels you saw in particular? Anybody you met that you had been clamoring to meet? in the past yeah um so on your last podcast you guys were talking about you know marvel tries to you know save a lot of their stuff for d23 that's what it's um, called d23 yeah, we couldn't d23. think of it <laughs> um 
but this year I think they they kind of top themselves with Marvel Television. Um, you know, all of their Netflix series, they kind of introduce Luke Cage, and then at the end they introduce Iron Fist, and at the end of that they introduce the Defenders. Um, that was probably the highlight panel for me and you know, for a lot of people, um, just seeing kind of all of the stars in the Luke Cage and knowing what their progression is. Um, Marvel movies, from what I saw, um, I mean, my husband was in the room during that panel. You know, they, they kind of talked themselves a little bit. Um, the, the funniest kind of person or oddest person that I met was Tara Reid. <laughs> of Sharknado, <laughs> Sharknado fame. Yeah. Um, you know, won a random signing with her, and yeah, at nine thirty in the morning, I'm not sure if if that's the best person to uh, to have <laughs> doing a signing that early. Was was she drunk or still hungover from the night before? Um, Which... I, I I think it might have been a little bit hungover. Yeah. Um, but she she was gracious. So that, that was kind of nice, but that was that was kind of the odd the odd meeting. Um, you know, my husband met Brett Spiner, um, ran into Stan Lee on the floor. Cool, um, very cool. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty interesting just seeing who's just gonna pop up at any given time. So, uh, how much time do you spend planning your your, your sort of days because I know I know it's really hard I've read a lot of tutorials on basically how to survive a con mm-hmm. and it's like yeah people are like you have to, you have to find the perfect balance of panels and you know free time and uh, so from somebody who's been four times uh, what do you what do you do now do you do you just pick panels you want or you shoot for like two panels a day and then try and make sure you get some shopping time in and how, how do you break everything down um well when, once the schedule comes out there's kind of a you know every single panel that comes up we go through and pick everything that you might want to see and then kind of a backup plan um since since i actually work at comic-con it it kind of hinders my schedule a little bit, but working it kind of gets me in the room during some of the big panels too. Um, but I refuse to wait more than 10 minutes in line for something. So if there's something I really want to see in the lines an hour, I'm going to go to plan B. You know, I, I know pe- too many people that are, that are really like a slave to the schedule and you waste your time that way. Um, you know, and as far as like shopping and being on the floor, you just kind of fit it in a little bit each day. Um, the good thing is preview night, preview night's like the first day that it's open before there's panels. That's, that's when you get on the floor. That's when you get like all of the, the cool fun giveaways and, and, you know, all of the interesting green screen experiences that you can get done. What, um, how did you come about, volunteer? have you always volunteered for it, or was it something that you fell into? Because I guess I didn't know um, that, that you volunteered. Yeah, yeah, so just the last two years, um, I kind of came up through it, because my husband has volunteered for the past four or five years. 
and we worked up to staff. Um, so we're basically the people that are giving away the free stuff to people in panels. Um, and the, those are the bigger panels that are usually the ones that are giving away free stuff, like the Marvel hats, the posters for Iron Fist in the Luke Cage panel. You know, we're, we're handing out that stuff. Um, so that's kind of getting us into, into the room. Um, but as far as like getting to volunteer, it's kind of a, a process with, you know, an application process and, you know, the more that you work with and the more people that, you know, you can kind of work up to, you know, being in staff or, or knowing more of a department that you're working with. Interesting. What so what yeah. is what does Comic Con floor smell like? Does it does it smell like does it smell like feet? I've always heard that that big cons just smell really bad. And then follow up question: How long does it take yeah. you to watch the nerd stench off of you? Oh yeah. Um, well, if you think about some of those people that are uh, sleeping in line for a couple days, you know, or that don't have a hotel for the five days that they're there, yeah, there's there's some stench. There's a, a weird stench of nacho cheese and, and stinky feet. Oh, God. Oh, that sounds awful. I'm glad that's exactly how I pictured it. <laughs> oh, um. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you, guys, you guys should try to uh, apply for, like, press credentials at a future con. You you might get it. I have some, some friends that have podcasts and, you know, small print online print reviews that that are on press at comic-con now we're trying marcia we're trying yeah yeah, we you know we have a pretty niche audience of (laughs) robo crawling bots out of out of india out of servers in india but you know and our family members real real people are our next goal yes yes you're you're helping us achieve that right now yes thank you oh good thanks um <laughs> Let's bring it back to the rails. Put a, put the train back on the track here. Boring. Uh, <laughs> boring. So, what? Now you said that you for a lot of the bigger stuff, which I think makes complete sense. You know, you, you're there for a limited amount of time. How much time do you really want to spend waiting in line? When a lot of this stuff, this footage, you, you can read about it on Twitter, and then they they've been releasing. They they, they finally realized they were fighting a losing battle by trying to keep people from releasing this footage and trailers and stuff. And then they'll do it shortly afterwards. So I think that's a smart plan. But out of everything that was released, um, you, you you mentioned Marvel, but like, was there anything uh, as far as DC or anything of of the other um, trailers that were released that really caught your eye? Um, I let's see. I mean, definitely probably Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm a huge Marvel nerd. Um, you know, other than that. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the, the Marvel Netflix kind of line that's coming. Um, just the expansion of that and kind of getting a first look at it. So what, what did you, Um, what did you think of the Wonder Woman trailer? You know, honestly, I haven't even seen it yet. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we talked about, I'm, I think you said you listened to the last episode. We kind of talked about it and, um, I, I just really wanted a 
a woman's viewpoint because there's so much testosterone. I, don't, I, I, I would be. I was curious to hear what you thought. So maybe um, maybe when you watch it, you can email us and let I'll us know. I'll shoot you an email. Yeah. yeah, of course. So would you characterize? It just it sounds like you're. Uh, would you would you characterize yourself as a Marvel fangirl? Uh, um. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, I grew up on the comics, so when the movies come out, I feel like, obviously, I have to love them, but they're (laughs) just getting better and better. Um, Maybe not fangirl. I mean, definitely a fan, but kind of more like a nerd. You know, I I know the source material before the stuff comes out. Right. And you, so you were a Marvel fan before before Josh Whedon and I know that you love Buffy so that must have been a match made in heaven for you then yeah yeah definitely yeah any I don't know you and I have differing opinions on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. (laughs) oh so you're a fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I am a fan I am a fan listen I sorry go ahead saw some of the what's that oh I just I was talking over you go ahead yeah, and we, um, a Marvel, Women in Marvel panel that we kind of went to kind of talked about the, you know, the the integration of more female characters, and then, of course, they had some of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. female characters, but they were talking about, you know, how important it is to to bring up female superheroes. Who was on that? Who was on that panel? Um... Well, from Shield, it was like Chloe Bennett, Mingna Wen, um, Natasha, whatever her last name is, um, and then Margie, which I can't remember her last name. Um, she writes a Black Widow book. Mm. Um, oh my gosh! She was was Kristen Ritter on the on the panel? No, no. Everyone else was. Um, like writers of one of the writers of Miss Marvel, um, basically comic and and Marvel novel writers. So, was there any talk about the the planned uh, Miss Marvel film adaptation? Because I know we got the official Brie Larson casting announcement, but I'm wondering if that seems like a good panel that they could have addressed that at. Uh. Yeah, and. They spoke about that a little bit um, just because one of the writers of the Miss Marvel comic was on the panel. Um, and basically they just talked about how exciting it is to to integrate more female superheroes in you know in the Marvel cinematic universe. You think well real quick Still, Yeah. Could you maybe Enlighten us a little bit, because I don't know if you... We, we talked about this uh, maybe a month and a half ago, but we're not real familiar with that comic. Are you familiar with Captain Marvel comic? Yeah. So what it, What do you think uh, will be... What Which comic um, storyline do you think that they're going to adapt? I mean, what, what seems like the most obvious path? Oh, I'm not as familiar as I should be. That's probably a better question for my husband. <laughs> um, I, I honestly, I don't know. It's, it's expanded more in the last few years, so I don't know if they're trying to go with a modern storyline. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you. 
Well, aside from the uh, obviously the the big publishing houses um, and the big movie studios, do you ever go to any of the weird sort of not super mainstream comic house panels? Like, do you ever see any sort of off the wall stuff? Because there there's a lot there that is sort of related to the industry, but not really strictly industry stuff. Yeah. Um... Yeah, we went to actually kind of walked into a panel of um, modern horror movies, um, like the development of new modern horror, which is um, definitely not like mainstream um, mainstream horror movies, just like small small production houses. Which um, oh, I just forgot his name. Um, Frodo. What's oh Elijah Wood. Thank you. Elijah Wood like has his own production company. He was on that panel and talking about the integration of modern horror, um, which was actually pretty interesting. Um, nothing you'll ever see, you know, released in any kind of wide release, a lot of like direct to video or or web horror. Um, sat through a panel all for the new Final Fantasy 15 video game. We so we just watched um, the trailer for, for the I, I guess for the film, um, before we started recording here. So, well, yeah, yeah. what can you tell us about that? Um, they talked about it's Lena Headley, Aaron Paul, and Sean Bean are are the faces of the new characters in the new video game. Um. They basically showed, you know, how they did a lot of the motion capture with them, um, you know, how they integrated the storyline from past video games and just kind of how they keep getting better. Um, probably the one of the cooler panels was Destination America has a, a huge Ghost Hunters team with several different shows. Um, sat through that panel, actually won free stuff. Um, they showed like all of their upcoming Ghost Hunter shows. Um, let's see what else was interesting. Um, Howard Lovecraft, I don't know if you guys are HP Lovecraft fans, but they're making an animated movie with them. Um, him and his little Chithulu pet <laughs> sounds really stupid but they made a comic from it and then they're making a movie um i'm huh. actually really excited to see it and i would have never thought of it or heard of it if it hadn't been for comic con and sitting through a panel with it so so did they show you uh, like panels from the comic or was it like a storyboard or was it footage so they showed footage and then compared it to panels from the comic um you know, the, the animation is very, very similar to the comic, but it's pretty much frame by frame um, from the comic, um, which I got the whole comic from being in the panel. Um, yeah, it's kind of like that quirky animation, like Coraline. Okay. If you're fans of Coraline, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know about Colin. Colin I've, yeah. I've never seen Coraline actually, so. Um, oh no. <laughs> uh, 
the, we have we have tons of blind spots in in our in our viewing. Yeah, trust me, that's the least of my sins. Yeah. <laughs> my movie transgressions. Yeah. Uh, is there so before we start wrapping up uh, our open discussion? Is there anything in particular that you wanted to tell us about? Like, was there something that you were like, I can't wait to get on here just to talk about this? Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, I, I I think that everybody in their life has to go to a San Diego Comic Con. Bucket you list. Know, when when someone when someone says you know. When I said I'm going to Comic Con for my vacation, like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> you know, they have one in Ohio. Which I don't know if you understand. That is, that's <laughs> just awful. It's San Diego Comic Con. Well, what's the difference? Well, it's everything. That's when you just say, never um, mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, plus yeah. you're in San Diego, right? So it is in San Diego. It was hot this week, too. It was like 85, 90 degrees this week in San Diego, which well, is unheard of. <laughs> right, but I would much rather have be in San Diego with 90-degree weather than Ohio with 90-degree weather. Oh, yes, definitely. And that's pretty much what you miss, so. Um, right. <laughs> so were, were there a lot of, uh, with with the advent of Pokemon Go, were there a lot of oh, people yeah. playing Pogo? Were there a lot of Misty cosplay yes. scantily clad maidens um, there were yeah there were a lot of people that were dressed as pokey stops um, <laughs> we saw someone have like large marshmallows that were red and white and every time they saw someone dressed as a pokemon <laughs> they would throw marshmallows at them <laughs> but so many people dressed as pikachu and and jigglypuffs um, you know, all throughout Comic Con, they actually had a a panel that was in a small room announced before Pokemon Go came out, and afterwards moved it to Hall H. Wow! And there was a a rumor, and Hall H seats six thousand people, right? Um, and there was a rumor that they were going to release a legendary Pokemon <laughs> in Hall H during this panel, unsubstantiated rumor, and um, kind of the logistics of Hall H is if they release it in Hall H, it's everybody in the room isn't going to have access to it. Uh. But some crazy people had the the notion of, well, if they sat above Hall H, so on the second floor of the convention center right above Hall H, you can find pictures. It's people, a thousand people just kind of sitting on the floor right above Hall H just in case they release a legendary Pokemon during this panel. What's what's funny is if you know anything about the logistics of the game and its current state, and if you know anything about Niantic, that is just so hilariously implausible. Right. But, right. you know, never... Who am I to... <laughs> Who am I to dash, dash the hope? Needless to say, yeah. they did not really. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I just want to say the, the only coverage that I have paid attention to from SDCC this year are I always check in on the Adult Swim uh, panel uh, and see what's yeah. going on because they always have fun stuff. And I, I watch coverage of the, the Pokemon Go. <laughs> the Pokemon Go. The Jeff from Niantic. So, yeah. That's fun. That, that should let you know what my priorities are here. And then, <laughs> and Brian had to be the one to tell me about all the. Well, no, I heard about the DC trailers, but I didn't watch them until I, we. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's going to do it for open discussion. Unless Marsha, you have anything else you want to you want to throw out there? Yeah, I it, I don't think so. I'm I'm glad you guys gave me the opportunity to kind of give you my insight on STCC 16. Yeah, maybe next year we'll um, hide in your guys' suitcases. <laughs> you you probably could on the way there, but coming back, oh, like, it's too full. Tend to bring too a lot much of swag, back. right? All right. Well, uh, we'll be right back with a review of Star Trek Beyond. Hold on to us. Don't let go. And we're back. All right. So, what? What? What are, what are we back with? What's happening? We're back with a review of Star Trek Beyond. All right? Is that okay with you? We're getting there. All right. All right, so first I'm going to read the synopsis um, from IMDb, which I actually think this is the best IMDb synopsis we've read yet. They're usually pretty bad. Yes. So this one says, The USS Enterprise crew explores the furthest reaches of uncharted space where they encounter a new, ruthless enemy. Who puts them and everything the Federation stands for to the test? So, um, for those of you who don't know, Star Trek Beyond is the third in the recent reboot of the uh, classic Star Trek series. So, I'm going to start out first, handing it to our guest, Marsha. So, um, have you seen the first two films? What did you think of those films? And then, what did you think of Star Trek Beyond? I have seen the first two films. Um, I, I really liked them. I think the, the first more so than the second. Um, and this one, definitely liked it, and I liked it probably the best out of the three. Interesting. Uh, Colin, your relationship with these three. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen all three of these films. Um, surpri- surprisingly, this was actually... Uh, well, it's easily the the low watermark in the series, and that being said, I'm not a huge fan, really, of anything that's happened, although I did like the second film more than the first one. Wow. I think and you were in a severe minority in that one. I just, like, the first film, I just, do you even remember the, the bad guy or the, the conflict in the film? Like, the narrative is all just... A, it's just a coming-of-age and identity crisis for Jim, and... I don't know. Anyway, we'll get there, but... Yeah, I've seen all these films, not a, a huge fan, and this one was easily the weakest out of the three. Wow. Yeah. So, I... Uh, I guess I'm going to fall in between the middle of you two. Um <laughs> oh, you do that. Uh, so get on down here. I too have seen all three. Um, I like the first one still the best, probably. Um, then this one, which I the third one, uh, Star Trek Beyond, I enjoyed a lot. And in a lot of ways, it, I I had more fun with this one than the first one. Um, the second one, I really it, it was complete popcorn uh, blockbuster to me. Um, which maybe that's why you like it. And this one wasn't a popcorn blockbuster. I don't. I don't. I, I feel like this is more a return to the traditional roots of what Star Trek was and is. Um, I, this is going to be a good episode. I, I feel like we're going to have three uh, competing opinions, um, which is good. So, uh, my overall thoughts on on Star Trek Beyond. I felt like 
Um, I'm gonna start with the good. We'll start with the good first, and then we'll um, we'll move on to the bad. Um, so, I felt like being in one place, um, which is traditionally how the Star Trek series took place, um, was a good return. Uh, they could build the characters a little more, um, and I felt like splitting up Jim and Spock was a really interesting idea and uh it helped Carl Urban I think stand out more in this film than he he really got a chance to in the other other films um I think as Bones he's kind of been an afterthought whereas on you know the original series he was kind of he was always the the third guy the third man out but he was still a character whereas in the first two films I feel like they did he was kind of just a punchline. A, a punchline and a part of the crew. Whereas this, I feel like he was really uh, a main player. Um, which, unfortunately, part of that, him taking more of screen time or more of the the building, kind of took away from from uh, Zachary Quinto and, 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 and the Spock character. Um, Simon Pegg, who wrote the screenplay, actually... I think, um, which I, I really like the screenplay. Again, I thought it was uh, an A plus on on the screenplay aspect. Um, Colin is shaking his head in disagreement. Um, I thought he brought some of the sensibilities from um, some of the Edgar Wright movies to to this to this film. Um, the humor was a lot better, and um, I'm tr- uh, trying to remember the name. The Sophia Butella, who plays uh, Jayla, I thought that she did a a, pr- a pretty good job. So those those are to me the standouts. Marsha, what did you think? Um, I I think that it's so obviously a Justin Lin movie. Um, who is known for his um, Fast and the Furious movies? Um, it it moves a lot faster than the first two. You know, I'm, I'm never a big fan of any kind of, like, exposition in the beginning. You shouldn't have to reintroduce characters, and this movie doesn't have to do that. It just jumps into, you know, a minor conflict and rolls right into the story. Um, you know, like what you said, Brian, was splitting up Kirk and Spock. I think that was great. Um, you know, it kind of it, it helped the momentum of the movie a little bit. And it just it, it focused a little bit more on the characters, but there there was so much action in this movie. Granted, some of it got a little long and tedious, but I don't think it took away from the characters of the movie. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of dialogue and character development, and I think the script kind of kind of helped enhance that a little bit. Um, yeah. So good things about this movie. Uh, um, oh, Debbie Downer. It's <laughs> all right. The, you know, it's it's not a horrible movie. Um, it's just not a good movie. I felt like this is the quintessential summer blockbuster. Um, for me, this didn't feel like a Star Trek film. The the one of the things I I, I thought I was going to like was sort of this balance between the heavy emotionality of the last two films and sort of something fun and more uplifting but instead there is just this film just has no depth um, 
I didn't feel like there was there's any character building for anyone and the only character arc I can see is Jim's and it's it's basically revealed in the very beginning of the film and you know what's going to happen. I mean there's no there's no you know oh no is he going to leave the ship? Is he going to <laughs> take this admiral consignment what will happen so wait you don't think that there was uh, an arc with with spock or with spock is barely in the movie what's the arc with spock well it, it kind of mirrors kirk's don't you i think? mean because it has to you know i'm just i and you don't think jayla has a has a, a silent small arc in it has an, <laughs> an arc yeah as in her character grows or learns something yeah, she definitely she definitely learns and grows. The the value of teamwork. Or... Value of teamwork. <laughs> the value of trusting. Really? The, you know, I I mean, I took that away from that. I mean, it's just so it's, superficial, so superficial and heavy. I'm not going to disagree that it's that it, 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 we're not dealing with um, like a, some deep impactful. Arc, she, she just she doesn't fight them at all. She's just a, there to agree with whatever they say. Like, oh hey stranger, are you a good guy? Cool. <laughs> you help me fix my ship. Oh, who are these people? They're your friends. Yeah, come on in. Oh, we're gonna do this. No, I can't go back there. Okay, I'll go back there. And then she's out of the film. Uh, okay, we'll we'll, we'll say so ridiculous. Let's let's save the argument for spoilers. Um, so we already know what you don't like. I feel like you could go on for a while. Let, let me just speak a little bit about what I don't like, and then we'll move Marsha, and then we can go well, there, to... I mean, there's there's more. I, I just... Well, well go, hold ahead, on, go ahead. Hold on. Yeah, I mean, okay, so I also think the, the direction was awful. Just awful. Um, the camera work, the action scenes and choreography uh, made me un- uncomfortable to watch. Like, gave me a headache. Uh, you, it's, it's like Dark Knight Syndrome. Or, no, that's not the right one. Batman Begins Syndrome. Where the camera person, every time there's an action shot, just has a seizure, and <laughs> like points points the camera at a corner and has a seizure. Like you can't go, tell, can't tell what's going on. Oh. And just like if there was one thing I expected Justin Lin to nail, it was the 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 action sequences, and a lot of them are just confusing. The camera work's just confusing. Well, I do agree with you there, uh, and I mean, I like to me. He had trouble with the hand-to-hand combat. Some of the larger uh, action scenes, I think, were were okay. Some of them are, and then some of them are really bad. Uh, yeah, the the ones that sort of resemble a car or motorcycle film sequence, he does okay. Yeah, like I thought that. Yeah, the the motorcycle sequence was actually a, a really good set piece. I feel like, um, Marcia. So what? We'll let you chime in. What do you think? With the action sequences? Yeah. Um, some of them were a little too long and drawn out. Um, I mean, I can see what you mean with kind of the, the fast cutaways and the, the, the camera work, but I think part of that adds to the movie. I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't absolutely love this movie, but I can understand how it kind of helps... With the storyline, with, I mean, there's a lot of confusion in the actual action sequences. Nobody knows what they're doing. It's mass chaos, and it's kind of filmed that way. That's an interesting perspective. What do you... 
I, I mean... <laughs> you think that, that you're, you're saying that that's unintentional? Or? Yeah, I mean, the director still has yeah. a, a job to do, and if that's how you choose to do it, then okay. that's... Fair enough. Well, so any anything, anything else you want to... I mean, just like, at the end of the day, like, all right, I, you know, I'm being mean, but this isn't an awful film. It's just not a good film, and it's so forgettable. Um, I think especially compared to the first two. It, I don't think it takes any risks. I don't think it asks any questions. Um, they don't even really make a pretense of trying to explain the the nature of the conflict in the film. And it it ends up being this weird reductionist philosophical argument at the very end uh, yeah, see, and a lot of things don't make sense I, I just I I was expecting to have fun and instead I was just kind of annoyed and not impressed by this film I would give it like I'd give it a C I think wow you know it's, see it's, I'm kind of the opposite where I, I really liked the um, I mean the, the, there was some clunky storytelling uh, at the end where I, I don't okay we're going in spoiler territory but I want to back up. I I think there were there's some twists and turns that um, weren't completely obvious until they're revealed, um, and, and, and until you kind of get what, where it's going. Um, but overall, I, I think this is a fun movie. I had fun with it. Like that's my biggest thing. Is like when I sat down and and left this. I left this. Like I told you, there's a specific scene. I'll talk about it in spoilers. But like. I got chills. Like it, it just it it evoked an emotional response to me. Maybe that's because, uh, like I've talked before, Star Trek is like kind of important to me, and there's a bit of nostalgia there. And it just it felt like I was watching an old Star Trek film or an episode. <laughs> he says in reference to, yeah, you know what? Never mind. We'll just let's save it. Let's save it. Okay, Marcia, any final thoughts before we move to spoilers? Yeah, I just, I think you just got to know your audience when you're going into it. And, you know, Star Trek was never supposed to be, like, super deep and, and you know, dark. It was supposed to be lighthearted and, you know, some action and some kind of quirk to it. And I, I think that accomplished it. All right. Any, any final parting words, Colin, before we get to, to spoilers? No, let's let's spoil this. Okay, I'm ready to get hit with a baseball bat. Uh, uh, We'll be right back with spoilers for Star Trek Beyond. What? Honey! Wow! Are you kidding me? You just ruin it every time! I'll see you at home. Wait a second. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? All right, spoilers for Star Trek Beyond. Spoiler alert. No, this film doesn't really make any sense. It's not very well. The narrative's not really very well thought through. Um, and I mean, it's I can't call it plot holes because there's no logical inconsistency. But this captain is stuck on this planet for 150 years or 200 years, and in that time, he raises this army, and you know, the the whole movie revolves around a MacGuffin, and. I just, I, I don't. It, and then I mean, well, so we'll get to it because really the the climax of the film is the dumbest and most ill-conceived part. I think. Okay, I will concede you that the air intake system. Is that what you're talking about? No, I mean even even before then, yeah, but that too, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I I'm sitting there watching this film, and. Uh, 
I'm like, Colin's going to hate this part of this movie. Like, I just, I figured that you would absolutely hate it. And I, and I get, I understand it. It, it. Like, it was definitely written as an out. Uh, the, the, the only way to stop the, this one, or there's this, this plot device written into the movie to prevent this, I guess, biological weapon from being spread. I, I, I get your problem with that. Like, I, I understand it 100%. But, I, I mean, I don't know. To, 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 to say that it's... I, every movie has a MacGuffin. Like, it's not like... I don't know. I don't, I don't understand how that is... So he has all these ships, and like this this giant floating space station is just kind of defenseless, you know. Why does he even need a biological weapon? I mean, mm. he's pretty much winning already, you know. He right just go in and kill everybody. Why does he need to smuggle this weird thing into the <laughs> the ventilation system, uh, you know, in the first place? He uh. could have just killed everybody. So the old-fashioned way. I mean, don't you think that that is a kind of a metaphor for um, power? Like, but like him having this represented him having more power, like a power grab kind of. No. No. No, I don't think so. Okay, interesting. So, man, were there any scenes that you enjoyed? Uh, you know, I think I think I was still on board with the film um, through the beginning. Uh, I I was still enjoying it then. You know, the the taking of the and destruction of the Enterprise. That was a pretty know, cool I, scene. Yes. I felt that, but the it just the movie just sort of stops trying at after that point. I just uh, n- none of the characters ever have to take any risks. They just sort of move forward to advance the plot to. It's an inevitable inc- conclusion, which is they fix a ship and find a way to defeat the bad guy, and everyone lives happily ever after. Um, bad guy who wants to kill everybody because he was a warrior and he thinks war is essential to making, you know, forging humanity. Uh, or, or no, wait, he's just angry about being left on a planet for too long. Yeah, but okay, so I maybe I'm buying into this too much, and I, I, again, I don't think it's that deep. But I definitely think he is a representation of the forgotten soldier, like forgotten the sacrifices that he has put forth to make this federation exist. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, I mean he is. So I, I think I, I mean I think that's that's relevant. I mean, but but they don't they they reveal that at the very end of the film. You know, after I, I just there's there's not really any investment in it. I mean, is that that's when they want us to get on board? Like, oh, I totally understand this guy's pain now that the movie's about to be over, and I, I just he he has almost no screen time too. Like he that's doesn't true. do very nobody does very much except for except for Chris Pine uh, and Anton Yelchin in this film. Marsha, what did you think about the villain? Um, I, I think it was kind of a surprise to some people, because if you look at any, any press ahead of time, nobody even knew he was in the movie. So when 
if you, are you referring to the Idris Elba character, right? Yeah, yeah Crawl. Yeah. Um, no one even knew he was in the movie, so then when they kind of transition into him, you don't really think he was supposed to have been a villain. Um, but I, I understand what Colin was saying, and that's kind of what, what I would think, that he's just an angry, bitter old warrior that is mad that he got left on a, on a planet and everybody kind of forgot about him. So he wanted his revenge on, you know, I established the Federation. And I don't think he was developed very well into a villain or portrayed very well as, you know, a great villain. I mean, if you want to compare him to Khan from the last movie. I guess, I guess Khan's motivations are a little bit more clear. In the last movie, yeah. I, don't, I don't like this. You're, I, things are swaying in, in, in Colin's favor at this point. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's no, fine. Be. It's fine. Brian needs to come to terms with the fact that he is he's drank, he's drank the Kool Aid. No, I just I, I don't know. I I definitely think that this film, um, I just feel like it's it's a a lighthearted, fun film that has. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it has heart. Like I, I, I felt I loved the humor in it. I had fun. I, I felt the action um, was okay to bad at times, but the larger action pieces were fun. Um, I, it was satisfying to me. I just I was satisfied when I left when I left the theater. I, I don't know. I mean the the movie just the movie just felt so shallow. You, uh, it, nobody. Nobody has to do anything of consequence. Nobody risks anything. Nobody learns anything. Mm-hmm. You don't care about the bad guy. You don't empathize with him. You don't understand the 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 path that has brought him to this place. And that's uh, a fair critique. I can't. I that's a that, and I mean, Marsha kind of spoke to it. I agree with what you're saying. It, it he's not a well drawn out character. And and really, the only sympathy you have for him is at the end. And by then, it's kind of too late to build that, a character that and that way. reduces it to kind of popcorn for me and and when the first third of the film I'm thinking okay they're in over these heads okay they're in over their heads there's some greater conspiracy charge uh, challenging the legitimacy of the federation or something like that and it's just the old like evil supervillain shtick again you know um, and then I couldn't even tell if he you know if he was Using war, I thought he was using war as a tool to reshape mankind, like um, uh, Ozymandias and Doctor Manhattan in uh, I can't think of Watchmen. Watchmen, you know, is it was mm-hmm. is is uh, I or if he was just angry and wanted revenge, it doesn't really seem clear. And I just uh, yeah, I I think I, I just was expecting something a little more after the last two films because the last two films do deal with bigger themes than this one which was just nothing nothing at all really or see i feel not like not in not in a meaningful way well okay i guess not in a meaningful way would is is an honest statement i, I don't know i feel like it, it was trying to deal with multinationalism versus or like multi like basically this Multicultural 
uh, entity known as the Federation versus a fascist. But I guess you're right. They didn't do it. But he's not really, a, I mean, a fascist. He's, or he's not espousing any ideals. He's yeah, that's. Just, a, I guess that you're right. I guess that's a problem. I'm, I'm gonna. I, I'm. I'm still gonna stand by. I like this film, but I, I will back down off of the. Uh, it's it's hard to I, I'm having a hard time putting up a defense for the crawl character or his motivations, and and then just the 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 weird techno Deus Ex Machina of them defeating the space army. But I love that moment, Marsha. How did you feel about the sabotage moment? Because literally, um, I, the, I told Colin I got chills because it kind of is a callback to the the the, the I think the first movie, right? Yeah, and. Yeah. I don't know that I was just like I don't know I just it, it warmed my heart and I and and chilled my my skin. Marsha, what did you think about that? No, I think that was that was fantastic. I mean, just even looking through the theater and just kind of seeing everybody just kind of like bopping their heads to the song. Well, yeah, I mean that that kind of draws on at least my generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean. It was kind of a pivotal part, pivotal part in the movie, but it also kind of accentuated how lighthearted the movie was really supposed to be. I mean, it, it's not like a hardcore song. It's all right. It's kind of a lighthearted movie. We're we're getting it done. Yeah, throw a little Beastie Boys in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. So you have. So, I mean, obviously, it's. A double entendre sabotage, right? And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, these people in the future, they're using music from my generation to kill these aliens. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> but then it's like, oh, they disrupted this AI flight pattern mm-hmm. management software. And <laughs> now all the ships are just exploding. They're literally just exploding. Come like, stop using logic there, to fight there this was, film. There was some <laughs> major software glitch where if you know if they lost if they lost <laughs> if they lost communication with the AI pilot program, they just auto self destructed. But then you also have people piloting the ships, right? This army. Well, are they... And where did that army come from? And who are they? And why do they care about what Crawl says? Oh, I don't know if they're so. I he it, every time we see in those ships, there are right. But are, but are they are they robots? I don't think so. Maybe. I mean, he, well, I mean, he supposedly possesses some ancient in, uh, alien technology. Every that, time we see his followers, they're not robots. They're also <laughs> presumably aliens, even though he's not an alien in his. Well, I think that's his uh, th- his the remaining of his. Um, I want to say staff. What is it? A crew, uh, maybe. That I mean that one guy that Definitely does make is, sense. Yeah. yeah, but then he has like an army of like thousands and thousands of ships with some sort of pi- pilots on them, and then you play something at a radio frequency, and they just explode. <laughs> they, just, like, they just sort of explode. I feel like you're you're. And I was okay with it. I was like, okay, look, it's just a chain reaction. You know, they're flying in this close form. It's just a chain reaction. And okay. But then the space station starts playing and they just explode. They, they're just, they don't even, they don't even try and apply their own internal, internal logic. To I can't, happening. I can't argue. It's just annoying. Like they don't, not, no, there's no, they don't try. Nothing in this film tried. But wasn't it fun? I mean, it would have been more fun if the action sequences were better. 
or I could tell what was going on. You know, I I mean, <laughs> but then there were there's no stakes. Like I I never feel like there's going to be consequences or any characters are in danger. Like well, this, I think that that is a larger problem with with series like this is you're. It, you have a hard time killing off characters. Uh, in fact, this they added a character in Jayla to, um, you know, um, a character with air quotes. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> uh, I, okay, so f- last final thoughts before we close this out. Uh, w- get it off your chest. Anything else you want to beat up Star Trek Beyond? Because we're gonna. Sorry, Marsha, but we're gonna delete this episode. I, very you know, <laughs> I was just really disappointed with. Simon Pegg for really? writing this film. Yeah. God, you, yeah. you are being brutal. Yeah. This is brutal. I mean, I just, I, I feel like he's a smart guy and I ex- expected more, expected more of, of a screenplay that he co-wrote. Well, okay, so then I'll just give my final thoughts and then I'll, Marsha, I'll let you finish up before we close off. But I, I understand your problems, your problems with plotting in logic the action was choppy, but I had a shit ton of fun with this film. I love the humor. I thought, like I said, I thought uh, Carl Urban was fantastic, and so was Simon Pegg as, um, as Scotty. I-, I thought that the that the cast did an excellent job. Actually, I one thing I was glad is that Anton Yelchin we got to spend a little time with his character. He wasn't just sort of yeah. relegated, uh, which was both very sad and nice, kind of sweet. Yeah. Um, he actually, I mean, he was one of the main one of the main characters for probably about half the film. Right. He was he was stuck with Kirk, uh, and, and uh, yeah, another great performance by Antonio Alchin. Rest in peace. Um, and unfortunately, passed away. But um, yeah, overall, overall, I'd give this a a, a B minus. B B minus. I was probably B plus until you beat me down. Till I'm gonna say a, a flat B. Look, I there are action films that are mindless that I enjoy that I don't really like have to. I'm not bothered by weird inconsistencies or lack of depth, but this it this film didn't fall into that category for me. I don't know why, but the the small things bothered me, and it just did not translate into anything. Anything more than a forgettable, problematic action blockbuster. So, all right, we get it, Colin. Good. Quit piling on. All right, Marsha, <laughs> your your final thoughts on Star Trek Beyond? Yeah, um, I kind of agree with Brian. I'd probably give it a, a solid B. I think uh, Bad Robot is going to continue making movies, so Great Gumber continues to have a job. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. Thanks for for joining us this episode. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? Any any anything in particular online or? Um, oh my gosh, I don't think so. Um, I saw. Yeah. Well, I saw that I, we don't have a huge a huge following here, but I saw that your brother in law has a podcast. Do you want to give that a plug? Yes, uh, my brother in law has a new podcast called Seattle Growth Podcast. And he he's a professor at the University of Washington, and he's interviewing officials and residents around the city and kind of seeing how growth in Seattle affects everyone that lives there. So check it out. Very cool. Uh, thank you for being a part of the show. Yeah, Marcia, thanks yeah, a lot thanks for, for, for putting up with me. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I think this is the most contentious podcast we've had since Hush. It's, oh, it, yeah, yeah, maybe. It's one of the more, one of the more contentious ones we had. 
Um, at this point, I don't think we really know what we're going to... Well, I, I think we can say it's a toss-up, but we don't have to go there if you don't want to. No, go there. Go there. It's fine. Okay, so... We should put the call out. Maybe I'll put a poll on Twitter and let people <laughs> vote. Uh, go ahead. Uh-huh. <laughs> So the choice is between Stranger Things and Jason Bourne, part four, the Damoning. <laughs> the Damoning. Uh, the Green Grassening. Real quick, we're not going to, I don't want to go into much, but Marsha, have you, have you watched Stranger Things yet on Netflix? I have not. It's on my list. Okay. So you can't yeah. really, you can't really add to this, I guess. Uh, I've, I've completed the series in a week, so uh, uh, take that as you may, um, but Colin and I will discuss this off there. We'll figure out um, what we're going to review next week. But until then, email us at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Oh, I totally, man, you let, I am a horrible host. You've, I forgot to read the oh, yeah. iTunes we're, reviews. We're just, uh, we're a mess. Oh, we'll do that on the next episode. So if you, we, we could, we could, we could record another segment and splice it in if you want. We'll just wait till next week. Okay. So if you left us an iTunes review, we appreciate it. Keep leaving us iTunes reviews. If you want your iTunes review read on the air, now is your chance. Yes. Slip it in, and we'll read it next week. That's what she said. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it. Um, right? Anything else? Yeah, no. Thanks Thanks again to our special guest. Yes, thanks again to uh, Marsh Shulman. Uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Okay, bye.